Lior, L-I-O-R, and theemploymenthour.com. Lots to go through today, my friend. And uh, first of all, as we like to start out, the week that was for you. That's right, John. Thank you. And thank you uh, for all our listeners for joining us today. I'm happy to be here and be back. And as always, I'd like to start off with the week that was talking about a couple of things that I saw that I dealt with that I uh, I resolved this week, just so that people understand some of the legal principles. And in case you're in that or in this situation, uh, you'll know what it means, you'll know what to do. So the first situation I'll talk to you about, John, was actually quite a sad story or is a sad story. Uh, I was contacted by a young young lady in her 20s. She and her father uh, both worked as superintendents of this particular building in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Uh, They received a salary and also an apartment in the building, which they share. They live together in that apartment. Now, that is quite common for superintendents that they get an apartment to stay in in the building that they uh, they work in. The father, in this case, had a serious medical condition uh, a couple of months ago uh, and ultimately had to have surgery, which resulted in partial amputation of his leg. Uh, Shortly after the surgery, what does this nice employer do? Well, it sends them a letter. Uh, not even in uh, in person, but sends them a letter terminating their employment effective immediately, no severance, and, of course, giving them 10 days to vacate that apartment. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, what a a, crappy way to treat someone. Well, what are the issues here, obviously? Well, first of all, again, from a legal standpoint, putting aside the the, the bad treatment, there's the fact that they're owed severance, no question. Even if it's because the father had surgery, maybe the father now can't work in the same way that he was uh, working before, they're owed severance. And, and they had worked there for, for a few years, they're owed significant severance. Issue number one. Issue number two, this is a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. You can't let someone go because they had surgery. You have a duty to accommodate. Here they didn't try. The, the guy, frankly, was still in the hospital. He hadn't even recovered to leave the hospital. And they terminated his employment. So there's a human rights issue. That's illegal. Uh, in addition to that, they also have to allow them to continue using, continue living in the apartment for the severance period. So let's say these, these guys are entitled to eight-month severance. They're entitled to their apartment for eight months because that's part of their compensation. And they're not going to find a new apartment in 10 days. So uh, the, trying to kick them out again makes it illegal. So this is a company that took uh, a bad situation for these people and made it much worse. It was illegal. But the good news is they're going to have to pay, and they're going to have to pay big. Because if there's a way to screw things up, these guys, this company found (laughs) every one one of those Just a big bowl of wrong. Yeah, no, completely wrong. And I felt really bad for these people. I'm working with them to help them out and get it resolved as soon as possible. But remember, though, uh, if you're let go... Uh, all your components of compensation have to be included. In this case, it included the apartment. Now, the second matter that I, I'll talk to you about, uh, I was contacted by a lady that was let go after some 10 years of work. Uh, she was, understandably, quite emotional when that happened. After she calmed down a bit from the initial shock, she sat down to look at her severance, and she was offered six months of severance, and she had a feeling that, and those are her words, that the offer was one or two months uh, short. Why did she think that? It was, well, based on what she believed or she had heard that others had received over the years. And she was thinking of just accepting the offer. She figured, well, one month shy, I'm not going to pursue it. I'm going to just accept and be done with it. Mm -hmm. Luckily, though, John, before she did this, she went on Google and she searched under severance. And she came across, ta-da, the severance calculator. Nice. Strong. She used it and it told her that she really should be getting 12 months of severance, not six months. Now, she thought that was insane. She couldn't believe that the severance offer that she received was half of what she was owed. So she called me. 
but she didn't call me to help her get her 12-month severance. She called to admonish me that there is a problem, there's a defect with my severance calculator. <laughs> now, I spoke with her, and guess what? Uh, the severance calculator was right. She was owed 12 months of severance. And after I explained to her that my calculator was working just fine, she agreed to let me help her get her full severance, and we're doing that right now. So this is a common example of what many of our listeners may be faced with. They're let go. They don't know if their offer is good. They think maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They're not sure. Someone told them something about it. Well, here's an easy way. If you don't want to call me, call me. But if you don't want to call me, use the severance pay calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out if your severance is off, offer is fair. At least get a good idea and proceed on that basis. And, oh, I promise you there's no defect. There's no malfunction with it. That was the best part of that phone call, not the fact that she's double what her severance was. It's like, I don't care about that. It's about, it's about your calculator, yeah, my friend. because she's, she's getting upset with me. You know, you, yeah. you, you're giving these people false hope. Right. You're telling them it's 12 months. That's wrong. Well, no, actually it is right. And you are owed 12 months of severance. Oh, that, that was really the reaction. Oh. So uh, in any case, so remember, severancepaycalculator.com. We're going to send her a severancepaycalculator.com t-shirt. I, think we're, she can <laughs> I wear should it. make we'll those. Just, you should. Love it. We'll take a short break. This is just the icing on the cake. You have a similar situation. Give Leora a call. We'd love to talk to you right here on the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We're looking forward to your calls. Leora at employmenthour.com. We go right to the phones. Top priority is our callers. Mike in Brampton. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hi. How are you today? Good, pal. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to know, does uh, the severance, does that apply if you're unionized or not? Is, is the severance amount the same? No, Mike. First of all, thank you for your question. But uh, the answer is no, it's not the same. Different rules apply in a unionized environment. It's the collective agreement that, that governs. So if you are let go in a unionized setting, whatever the collective agreement says you get is what you get. Usually it would be a small fraction of what you would get in a non-unionized uh, situation. Right, so you'd get less, in other words, if you're unionized. A lot less. Generally, yes. yeah. Less, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Good question. I, people won't phone that all the time, right? I'm in a yeah. union. Can you help me? You can't, help really. me can't help you, and you, you get a lot less severance. Yeah, got you. We'll yeah. take uh, line two. I got Vito in Burlington. Hi, Vito. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Not too much. Not too much. Uh, a question I've got, and uh, I'm not sure uh, what my position is here. Uh, I was recently fired. Okay, uh, and then when I called to pick up my ROE papers and, or whatever the papers I need to, to file for UI, they said, oh, we actually didn't fire you. You're just being laid off. Okay. Said, okay, so I said, so what does that mean? He goes, well, just sit home. When I need you, I'll call you. Yeah. So uh, you're, um, what do I do? Get an A for effort. That's uh... Well, Vito, first of all, thank you for your question. I, I, I'm glad you asked it because a lot of people, a lot of our listeners can be in the same situation right now. So your employer is trying to do what we refer to as a uh, – Temporary layoff. Now, a temporary layoff is a concept that doesn't really exist in the sense that an employer does not have a right to lay you off temporarily. So you have a choice. Your choice is you could do exactly what your employer told you. You can sit at home and hope maybe one day uh, he'll uh, see it fit to call you back. Or you can say, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm getting my severance now. You're treating this layoff as a termination. So your, that's your choice. If you would l- rather hope that he ca- call you back, fine, do that. Otherwise, we can help you get your severance. These are straightforward matters. He does not have a right to leave you at home and, and, and wait to, to get called back. There's no right to lay you off temporarily. And, and how long did you work there, Vito? Uh, three years. Three years. And uh, approximately how old are you? 47. So, I mean, you'd be looking at right around four or five months of severance, potentially as much as six months. So, uh, you know, it's a significant amount. Vito, you need to give me a call off air so we can talk about it and I can uh, help you out. Okay, and I can get the number from... 
I'll give it to you right now. It's 416-216-5900. Again, 416-216-5900. There's a, uh, there's a 10,000 people right now just went, what? You can't get laid off? Yeah. Not in ten, right? There's 10,000 people and there's 10,000 employers that are thinking the exact same yeah, thing. Right. Wait, I can't lay someone off temporarily? Well, no, you cannot unless there's a contract of employment in place that explicitly gives you that power. And guess what? Almost no one has a contract like that. So a temporary layoff is a termination if the individual, if the employee wants to treat it as such. They can do so. Absolutely. Something else interesting you should, uh, next time you're Googling, that is terminationquestions.com. Give us some details. This is awesome. Well, yeah, it is awesome, and I'm, I'm very happy about it. Uh, you know, as I say, I, I'm here once a week live on the show, and uh, people have questions. Though. They, their questions are not limited to between 1 to 2 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, they, they have questions. They want to know information. So I've created a website. Uh, terminationquestions.com, accompanying website is wrongfuldismissalquestions.com. They're the same thing. So if you want to ask me a question, you're a bit bashful, you don't want to email me directly or you don't want to call me because, you know, you just, you don't know and uh, you you just want to answer information, go to terminationquestions.com, ask your question there anonymously, and I respond online within minutes every time. On the way here today to the show, John, I answered a bunch of questions uh, and, uh, by the way, we started, we launched this just over a month ago. I think now, uh, we have, we've had over a hundred questions answered. I think there's 27 pages of wow. questions on the website. You can search through all the questions and answers to see if your question has been answered or ask me a question anonymously there. Uh, and, and I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to email you. I'm just going to answer you, your yeah. question. And if you want to talk to me after that, it's up to you. So it's a really neat thing. And let me, let me just kind of run by a couple of questions that people yep. have asked on the website, just so you see some of the information. Uh, and one of the questions was this, that the owner has been trying to sell the business for a while unsuccessfully. And the question was, if she just shuts it down and no notice is given, is given do I get severance? Uh, and well, guess what? The answer is, of course, absolutely. This person was concerned that the business is just going to shut down and all of a sudden the employees are left out on the street without compensation. That would be illegal. That would be impossible. So I responded here letting the person know that, of course, they'd be owed severance uh, and, and they should call me uh, to discuss it if that happens. Another question that I got, again, this is on the Termination Questions website. Yep. The question was, uh, I work for an employer for 20 years was laid off and replaced. I was in the construction industry, and I was a supervisor. They say that because I was a seasonal, seasonal employee, I get no severance pay, but I was never laid off before. Well, guess what? That's nonsense. After 20 years of service, if you're let go and replaced, you're going to be owed severance. Now, I don't know how old this person is, and I don't know exactly what their job was, but after 20 years, there's no chance they'll be getting less than 14, 15 months of severance, and could be much more than that, depending on their age and position. So, again, very common question. Another question uh, that I get asked a lot. I was asked that through the Termination Questions website, so go check it out. One more question, John, mm-hmm. uh, from the Termination Questions uh, website. And this was as follows, that I don't have an employment contract with my current employer. Uh, I've worked there for a little over four years. I've been given information that leads me to believe that I'll, I will be on the list for the next round of layoffs. Can they use the fact that I don't have a contract against me? So uh, wow. the, so this person is concerned about the fact that, well, I don't have a written contract. I've been working for four years. If I la- get laid off, does the fact that I don't have a written contract, is that a problem? Right. Well, not only is that not a problem, it's actually much better for the employee not to have a written contract. And what do I mean by that? A written contract, really what it does, it protects the employer. Employers absolutely should have written contracts. 
if and if there's no written contract, the law comes in, protects and governs the the relationship and protects the employee. So it's far better for an employee not to have a written contract of employment. That means they have the full protection of the law. There's no written terms that limit a person's entitlement. So my answer to this person is, no, not only is that not a problem, that is a good thing, and you're going to be entitled to full severance if, in fact, you're right, and you're going to be part of the next round of layoffs. You want to look at it yourself, terminationquestions.com. We'll take a short break. We're still taking your phone calls. Give us a ring. The Employment Hour rocks on right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And please give us a call if you have questions about severance or being laid off or you think it's going to happen in the near future. You can also email Lior, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Here we go. Ministry of Labor strikes again. We need superheroes. Dun, dun, dun. Now I'm a superhero. Great. Yeah, we yeah. love those guys. Yeah. Ministry of Labor. Yeah, we've, uh, we've talked quite a bit in the past about how the Ministry of Labor is misleading people. Remind us of what people should understand about that ministry. Yeah, and then, you know, John, uh, a year and a half later, after we started the show, I still get calls uh, daily, literally daily, uh, with people that uh, get wrong information from the Ministry of Labor. So let's kind of set it straight for those that have not heard me speak about this before and are not sure exactly what I'm referring to. Well, the Ministry of Labor can only advise and, and does only advise individuals with respect to their minimum entitlements. So if you want to know how much money you should be earning, you'll call the Ministry of Labor. They'll tell you the minimum wage is $11, and that's all they could do, and fine, you understand that. Uh, the problem, though, when it comes to termination and severance is if you call the Ministry of Labor and say, I've lost my job, I've worked there for uh, three years, what should I be getting? They're going to tell you three weeks. Why? Because three weeks is your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act here in the province of Ontario. But that is not your full entitlements. In fact, that is not even close to being your full entitlements. In in this hypothetical situation that I use, you could be entitled to six months of severance, Mm -hmm. even though you've been told by the Ministry of Labor it's only three weeks of severance. So if you call the Ministry of Labor, they tell you three weeks and you accept three weeks severance because that's what the government told you. Well, you potentially have walked away from four or five, six months of severance that otherwise you'd be legally owed. And that's a problem because guess what? Now, if you're not going to find a job in three weeks, what are you going to do? How are you going to support your family and pay your mortgage and pay your bills? Uh, So that's the problem with the Ministry of Labor. On their website, at their, they have a 1-800 number. If you call that number, you're only going to find out your minimum entitlement. So that's problem one, huge problem. And mm-hmm. they're misleading people, uh, people that don't, they don't know any better. The other problem is if you say, fine, my employer didn't give me my three weeks, even though, by the way, John, the employer should have given six months. So I'm going to file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor to get these three weeks. By doing that, you are now prevented, once you file this complaint, you are prevented from pursuing your full entitlements for six months. Unless you withdraw that complaint within two weeks, you're in fact stuck. You cannot get your full entitlements. So do you know how many times I see people call the Ministry of Labor, get the wrong information? Based on that wrong information, they file a complaint with the ministry against their former employer only to then find out, wait, wait a second, the information was wrong. And by me doing something based on this wrong information, I'm stuck. I can't get all my entitlements. That's awful. People literally, literally lose out on thousands and tens of thousands of dollars every single day because they follow the wrong, incorrect, incomplete advice given by the Ministry of Labor. Now, you recently had a call from another person that got bad advice from the ministry. Tell us about it. Yeah, John. And, and again, very similar to what I was, uh, I was talking about. Uh, this person called the Ministry of Labor after she was let go, 
And the employer uh, let her go supposedly for cause, even though the allegations of cause were nonsense. Didn't pay her any severance. Ministry of Labor tells her you're owed six weeks of severance. Six weeks. So what does she do? She files a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. Uh, And fast forward a few weeks, actually four weeks later, she hears us right here on this show on the the employment hour. And she realizes, wait a second, Mm -hmm. I may be owed a heck of a lot more than six weeks. So she calls me. And I tell her, yes, you're right. You are owed a lot more than six weeks. I think I assessed her at being around nine months of seven. Wow. Forget about six weeks. The problem is you filed a complaint a month ago with the Ministry of Labor. Now I'm stuck. My hands are tied because I'm not allowed to help you because you filed this complaint with the Ministry of Labor. Uh, you, were, you, you didn't withdraw it within two weeks. You followed the bad advice. So we're stuck. So this lady right now is at best, if she's successful at the Ministry of Labor, and that's a huge if, uh, she may get her six weeks pay. She's not going to get her nine months pay. And she's stuck and I'm stuck not being able to help her. And I feel very bad for her. And I feel very, very bad for everyone else that it's in exactly in this situation uh, daily. Uh, and that's wrong. And I've, I've taken steps on that. I've taken some legal action against the Ministry of Labor. We've talked about that last year on the show. Those are still ongoing. But they continue to do that. They continue to give incorrect advice, either not knowing or not caring that people are, are relying on that to their detriment and losing a lot of money. So what's their first step if they get bad advice, which they undoubtedly will? Well, the first thing you understand, you got to understand what I've just told you, that the Ministry of Labor can only get you uh, information about your minimum entitlements, not full entitlements. So the best, uh, best advice I can give people is, well, there's other ways to get the information that you want. Talk to me. Call me on the show. Call me in the office. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. I've even created terminationquestions.com. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for people to get the right information, the full information, so they don't fall in that trap. If you do speak with the Ministry of Labor, okay, ask them a lot of informa- questions. Ask them, are these my full entitlements? Am I entitled to anything else? But I would avoid it. I would avoid it at all costs because they cannot help you. They cannot do anything for the individual. Uh, and if you've just uh, heard me and if you've, recently filed a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, spoken to them even, call me right away. Let me talk to you. Let me make sure that you haven't compromised your legal position by talking with the Ministry of Labor. When should you contact them? When are they handy? Well, they're handy virtually with respect to anything other than termination. So if there's an issue with respect to overtime, yes, you call the Ministry of Labor. Uh, Hours of work, maybe the employer is making you work too long hours, doesn't give you breaks. Uh, you call the Ministry of Labor. If, you don't, if you're not sure you got proper vacation pay, Ministry of Labor. But if, if it's about termination, constructive dismissal, termination for cause, without cause, temporary layoffs, you cannot contact the Ministry of Labor. The other things you cannot contact the Ministry of Labor about is with respect to any workplace problems that have to do with interpersonal relationships. So if there's workplace harassment issue, discrimination, you cannot contact the Ministry of Labor. They cannot do anything. They cannot help you. They can't even advise you. For that, you need to call me. I thought for sure they would be able to help you with that type of thing. No, I'm they, surprised. they absolutely cannot. They cannot. Wow. They can enforce your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. They can make sure you get minimum wage, that you get overtime paid calcu- correctly, that you get your vacation pay. Essentially, that's it. They need like three people working in that office. Give us a call if you've uh, had any of these questions, you're wondering about your package in front of you. Any questions, give us a call on the Employment Hour. Lior will answer them. It's Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And you can email Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Love our phone callers. We get right to them. Debbie in Keswick. Hi, Debbie. Hi. How are you? 
<laughs> I'm good. How are you? Okay. What's going on? You got a question for the art shoot? I do. Actually, I was laid off from a job. Um, I think it was November 1st, 2012. So, A, I'm, I'm wondering, I think I should have gotten something and I didn't get anything. And I'm wondering if it's too late. Uh, well, first of all, Debbie, uh, it's interesting that you called because you have until uh, uh, November first, two thousand and fourteen, uh, or I guess the last the like last days. <laughs> uh, day in October. So there's a two year limitation period. Now, let me get some information here, Debbie. How long did you work for this company? I worked for them for almost seven years. Okay, uh, and were you working exclusively for them? Exclusively for them as an independent contractor with no contract. No contract, but <laughs> they weren't withholding taxes off your pay or anything like that? No, they weren't withholding taxes. And what, what were you doing? What kind of a job was it? I was a remote uh, trainer, so I trained all their phone CSRs how to answer questions and set up appointments for them. Right. So, Debbie, let me tell you this. After seven years, the law would consider you to be an employee, even though I understand you were treated as an independent contractor. What's the result of that, Debbie? The result is, yes, 100% you'd be owed severance. And after seven years, you'd be owed significant severance. It could be in the order of eight or nine months of compensation. So, uh, And you have only a few, literally a, a week or so, or uh, maybe a week and a half to pursue it. So very, very, very important that we speak right away, okay? And I want to talk to you as early as tomorrow because if we're going to do something about this, we have a very short period of time to get it done because a day too late is impossible. It's, it's, okay. it's, we can't do anything. So give me a call tomorrow or later today even. Let me talk to you uh, and let's see how we can help you because you're looking about at significant compensation. Oh, awesome. All right, Deb. I will be making that phone call. Yeah, the number, really, don't you got to be over this like a cougar on a crippled chicken. 416-216-5900. 416-216-5900. Where do you get that? Do, do we just give away a turkey? Because we got like six lines here just going. This is fantastic. Uh, Ashok, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, Leo. How are you? What's good, happening? Good. Yeah, my wife, uh, she was working as supervisor in one of the retail stores. Yes, Okay? Yeah. And she worked there for uh, three years, and uh, last January, she was suddenly called to the manager's office. Yeah. she was forced to resign. She, asked, she was asked to, asked to resign. They said, if you don't resign, then we are going to fire you. Okay. So she, she, she resigned. Yeah. And the reasoning said there was a frivolous reason. She actually, uh, she was during, the, during a break time, and she shopped f- some uh, stuff for herself, and said that that's, that's not in company's policy. And uh, when did this happen? Uh, last January. Last January, okay. And how long did you work there for? She worked there for three years. Okay. Supervisor, yeah. So here's the thing, Ashok, and uh, thank you for your call. Uh, if she is told you have to resign or else, that is not a resignation. In the eyes of the law, that is a termination. An employer can't say, well, you have to resign or else we're firing you, and that still is considered a, a, a resignation. So... Because the law considers that to be a resignation, uh, a termination, she's owed severance. And after three years, depending on her position and, and, and age, it's going to be a few months of compensation, somewhere in that four, five, six months of compensation. So it's okay. very important that you or her give me a call off air. I will definitely be able to help you to get that compensation. That's not a resignation. That is a termination. And she needs to call me. Ashok, again, 416-216-5900. 416-216-5900. What is that? They don't want to pay severance. So if you, know, you resign, we, didn't, you know, we don't have to pay anything because you resigned. Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah, it's nonsense. They, they almost think that they're helping the person. Uh, oh, it's better for you if you've resigned. Nonsense. It's better for me if I get the severance that's owed to me so that I can support my family. That's what's better for me. Again, both those callers, 416-216-5900. 
because time uh, is of the essence. We're getting a few more uh, calls lined up here. In the meantime, I want to talk a little bit about uh, employment insurance, EI. Uh, when can employees that are let go qualify for it? Usually employees can qualify for it if there's an interruption in earnings. So an interruption in earnings can happen in, in one of a few situations. Mm-hmm. If, it's a, if there's a termination, be it a, a quote-unquote temporary layoff or a permanent termination, if they can't work because of a medical condition, uh, for example, if there's a, a shutdown of the workplace for, for the season, anytime there's an uh, interruption in earning, as long as the person has worked enough time and, and put enough hours, they can qualify for employment insurance. Now, usually you cannot qualify for employment insurance if you're the reason why there's an interruption in earning. So if you've quit uh, or if you okay. did something that's so bad that the employer had no choice but to let you go, well, then it's your fault, then you don't qualify for employment insurance. But if it's the employer that made the decision or, or is responsible for you not having money, that's when EI kicks in and EI can compensate you for the time that you're off. Grace, just reading by my little uh, ticker here, this looks like a preposterous reason for getting fired. Do you want to tell us about it? Oh, hi. Uh, hi. My name is Grace. I used to be a bus driver from uh, for this company since 86. And I live in Brampton, but I worked in Toronto. Yep. And uh, for the last two, three years, they used to tell me I'm going to fire, fire you, because they said I'm consuming too much um, uh, de- uh, money uh, for the gas to come home. So they used to give me, uh, I used to work from 7.30 to 10, then 11 to, to uh, 1, and 2.30 to 4, long. They used to give me long hours just not to come home. And then... In June, this June, she said, okay, you finish your run for June, and you go usually on unemployment in uh, July and August, right? Right. But when I went to unemployment, uh, I, she put dismissal, so I, I can't even get unemployment now. And I take it that they didn't call you back in September as usual? No, no, I was, I was you know, because she used to give me so much problems all the time, you know, because she wanted me to sign a paper or whatever. I didn't want to sign a paper. So, um, you know, I can't even get un- unemployment, you know? So, uh, and you you were doing this uh, since 86, do you think you said? Yeah, 86, but one year and a half I stayed home uh, in between that time. But from 95, 96, I worked straight. I moved from uh, Toronto Downsview to Brampton when I bought a house, right? Got it. But they never used to give me any problems, just the last four years like that. Always on my back, always on my back. Just You can't go home, you know, you have to just stay out all day. Using and I know the gas. other drivers used to go home. Right. So, Grace, let me let me say this. I mean, do they have a right to let you go? Yes. But, and this is a big one, they have to comp- compensate you. They have to pay you severance. And whether your seniority goes back to 86 or 95, 96, that's still significant severance that they owe you if you, they, they decided not to bring you back uh, this uh, this year. In addition to that, yes, if they've completed the record of employment to say dismissed, again, we're talking about EI, yeah. uh, that's not legal either. They have to, to, because it's not a termination for cause. You didn't do anything wrong. So we can deal with that as well, get you a new record of employment that would allow you to qualify for EI and then, of course, allow you to get your severance. So you've been wrongfully dismissed. You need to call me because you'd be looking at significant severance, potentially in excess of a year's pay. Uh, very, very important, Grace, that we talk off air. Grace, that number, 416-216-5900. You're using too much gas. Well, then get me a diesel Jetta. What's wrong with you? 416-216-5900. Preposterous. Give us a call. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Want to remind everybody, Lior's uh, private number, personal number, to answer your questions off air and otherwise, 416-216-5900. Got uh, Vincent. Hi, Vincent. How are you? 
I filed a complaint against the WS, uh, I mean, uh, with the Department of Labor against the WSRB because they, uh, uh, they show a claim under my name that I worked with the company and I had injury under that company and I never worked for this company in my life. I don't even know who this company is. And the Department of Labor is refusing to do an investigation. Okay, I'm not sure. So who filed a complaint in your name? Uh, I filed a complaint. This, that WSIB issued a claim under my name. A claim for what? A, uh, a claim uh, of injury, that I got injured with this company. And they made payments, uh, but I never received no payment and never got injured. And you didn't even work for this company? I never worked for this company. Some mistaken name or something. Right? Okay, uh, so I think it could be as simple as you telling WSIB that you didn't work and they made a mistake. Uh, I don't uh, think... I don't think you need to file a complaint against them. And first of all, the Ministry of Labor uh, doesn't really have anything to do with WSIB in this context. So I, I'm, I'm a bit confused about what to tell you other than if you got, if the WSIB filed a complaint, maybe they were going to use someone else's name and got confused. Ultimately, I, I think it's just about the correcting this misinformation for them. We were talking about uh, before the break, employment insurance. And uh, when can employee that are off on disability qualify for that insurance? Yeah, and you know one of the uh, the things that the employees that don't have other insurance, they don't have a long term disability plan uh, or short term disability plan through their employer. Not everyone has it. Most people do though. Uh, they can qualify for what we call EI disability benefits. So if you cannot work uh, for a medical reason and and you you have enough hours to qualify, then you can go on EI for up to thirteen weeks if uh, if you have a medical condition. So what, what do you need for that? Number one, you need the doctor to be able to say that you're completely unable to work. And number two, you need to have your employer fill out a record of employment that says that you're not going to be working. There's going to be an interruption of earnings mm-hmm. for reason of disability. In that case, you would qualify for EI for a period of time. Oftentimes, John, people don't have a short-term disability plan, just a long-term disability plan. So instead of going on short-term disability, they'll go on EI for 13 weeks and then qualify for long-term disability. So there's uh, that little safety net that we have there that the government provides for us in situations where we cannot work because of a medical condition. And we should say, you know, if you have any questions, they can either contact you or our pal Savan, right, the the insurance and injury law show. Absolutely. Certainly, if, if you can't work and the employer is giving you a hard time about it, or if you're on disability and the insurance company is giving you a hard time, well, you call me, you call Sivan, who does the insurance and injury law show uh, at uh, 12 o'clock. Certainly we'll be able to help you. We'll get to uh, John in Brampton. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, I'm well, and how are you? Good. You have a question for Lior. Go ahead. I do. Uh, my mother-in-law just finished a surgery, and the doctor's basically given her instructions that she's unable to lift anything more than 10 pounds for the rest of her life. Yeah. But uh, the work uh, where she works, uh, sometimes she has to lift things that are 15 and sometimes even double, so 20 pounds. But now she's worried that she might lose her job. But shouldn't the job uh, give her accommodation uh, because of the doctor's note, or can they release her because of uh, this? Excellent question. question. Great, great question. So yes, you're absolutely right that the the employer, the company has to accommodate her, has to help her, even if it means changing the job so she doesn't have to lift more than 10 pounds or having someone help her with respect to those items that are heavier than 10 pounds. They have to accommodate her if they they don't, if they decide, well, you know what, we're just going to let her go. Uh, that is a violation of the Human Rights Code. That would be illegal. They cannot do that. So they have to provide accommodation. Uh, and if there's a problem, if they refuse to do that, uh, certainly if that's your, only limit, your, your mother's only limitation, that she can lift more than 10 pounds, sh- certainly they're going to have to accommodate. If they refuse to, 
give me a call. Sometimes we can give them a bit of a kick in the pants before they actually let her go to, to just try to solve the problem and get her back in the workplace. Certainly, if they let her go, you absolutely have to call me. Yeah, John, that number, 416-216-5900. We'll get to a, another John, this one in Toronto. Hi, John. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah, my name is John. Um, I'm calling from Toronto, and I'm calling. We have a we have a $10 million lawsuit against the WSIB regarding uh, – um, we filed complaints with everybody from the Department of Labor to the uh, uh, ombudsman, the attorney general, and everything because the WSIB stole my father's pension money. Literally, they they provided him with a check saying he cashed uh, uh, a check for thirty five thousand when he only cashed a check for twenty five thousand, and we found uh, accounting statements that state that there were two payments of thirty five thousand. You know, no one helps us. How how do we get help? You know, we have no money. We can't afford to to hire lawyers and stuff. It's ridiculous because the, even the lawyer for the WSIB is abusing us. And that's all they do. They abuse people constantly at uh, their tribunals. They think they are the law because they got the tribunal. No one has a thing to say outside of the tribunal. No courts, no anything. Now, finally, we decided maybe the court needs to hear about this. But then they consistently abuse us and make statements, false statements, lies. Well, John, let me, let me say this. Yeah. If you're going to commence legal action, forget about $10 million. If you can commence legal action for, for 100000 uh, you, you, you're not going to be successful without a lawyer. Full stop. It's, it's, it's not, there's no second option there. Right? I so you, understand. Yeah. But, but listen to this. No, I understand. But listen to this. You know, we are broke. We're poor. Now, these people are abusing. So what are we supposed to do? You know, we're, we're, we're doing that. It's already started the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. We've been going through this. They think, okay, we went to examination, and they made a, uh, uh, what's it called, a uh, sworn affidavit, uh, because we had found them in the default judgment, because they were consistently doing whatever they want. They said that uh, they wanted to defend the action, but they did nothing about it. They did not contact us. We sent them letters. We sent them the defense. And then all of a sudden, when we decide, you know what, these guys are doing nothing, we find them in default. They start making up lies. And the bill that writes the affidavit says, oh, I went on vacation. I missed the email. John, the reality is that unless you're able to qualify for uh, legal aid, uh, a lawyer to deal with that is going to cost money. There's just no second option. But again, legal aid is there. You may be able to qualify for it. I, I can't comment about the merits of your case without knowing more about it. If you'd like to have a more detailed discussion, happy to do that off air. But I can't tell you, if you're going to have a lawyer take over this lawsuit, uh, again, and, and maybe a lawyer will tell you, if you speak with a lawyer, that you don't have a case. I don't know enough to be able to say. But uh, I, your, your best, my best advice may be to talk to legal aid and see if you can qualify. Uh, we'll get to a few more questions when it comes to uh, employment insurance. Uh, we talked about this before. We took a bunch of phone calls. How much EI can an employee get and for how long can they get it? So with respect to regular, what I call regular EI benefits, which mm-hmm. are, are given to someone if they lost their job, uh, you can, I believe the maximum right now, uh, before, before taxes, about $500 a week. And again, that's the maximum. And it's calculated as a percentage of income. But the maximum that you can get is $500 a week. And you can get that up to a year, okay? So you can get EI for a year up to $500 a week, for, depending on your income. If, if, uh, for those people that make a certain amount of income, it could be less than that. Mm-hmm. And that's really there, okay, John, to, to provide a bit of a cushion if it takes you that long to find another job. Now, this payment is not automatic. You still have to be able to show that you're available to look for work and that you've, in fact, made efforts to look for work. So the government doesn't like to pay EI if you're considering, that, you know, just I'll, I'll be on vacation for a year, not do anything. Right. And when the EI money runs out, 
then I'm going to start looking for work. So AI is going to need you to provide information as to what you've been doing, and they may in fact cut you off if you don't try to look for work, but you have that safety net of up to $500 a week for a year. We'll get to more uh, EI questions and points uh, in just a bit. You want to give us a call as well. We can answer all your severance and employment questions. Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And we'll get to another phone call here before we get to some uh, severance pay calculator information. We got to Irene in Toronto. Hi, Irene. Hi. Um, My question is, um, I'm good. My question is regarding uh, maternity leave and EI benefits on maternity leave. Um, I'm currently on maternity leave and it is ending soon. Uh, Now, I know my current employer, they have uh, laid off some people and let some people go. So what I'm wondering is um, when I go back to work, if I am laid off, um, do I have any recourse or what exactly happens because I've been on maternity leave for um, the past 50 weeks? Right. So good question, Irene. So let me answer that question. First of all, in terms of any recourse and entitlements that you have from your employer, and then I'll talk about it as relates to EI. First of all, if the employer lets you go when you come back, unless there's a really, really, really good reason why they're doing that, that would actually be illegal. They have the legal obligation to take you back. Now, if let's say when you come back, the whole department shut down and no one's working in that department you were working at, fine. In that case, there's really legitimately no job. But it has to be something as extreme as that. They can't decide, well, you know what? We like her replacement better, so we're going to keep the replacement and let Irene go. That's illegal. Uh, that's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. So, so that they can't do. And if they do that, that's a problem, not to mention the fact that they owe you severance. And depending on how long you've worked there and your age and position, it could be a significant amount of severance. So that's issue number one. Remember that it would actually be illegal not to hire you back. As relates to EI, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's bad news is if they do let you go when you come back, you will not qualify for EI because you wouldn't have what we call insurable hours. You wouldn't have worked in the, in the months before the termination, so you wouldn't qualify for EI uh, again. So because of that, if you're right and they do let you off when you come back from work, it's that much more important that you get your full severance because you're not going to have EI. So the only income you're going to have is that severance. Okay. Does that make sense? sense? Doesn't she? Wouldn't she qualify for the uh, as far as EI is concerned for the time she spent before she went off on mat leave? No, no. Oh, okay. th- that time was spent to qualify for mat leave benefits under uh, EI. She's not going to f- qualify for regular EI benefits because she would have received maternity benefits from EI. Severance calculator, lay it on me. Yeah, and so we mentioned it right at the top of the show, Johnny. Uh, severance pay calculator. Uh, I created that about a year ago. Actually, I think it was around November of 2013 when we created it. And what the, the severance pay calculator is, it, well, the name suggests, it calculates the amount of severance that someone is owed. So uh, you, you can uh, go to severancepaycalculator.com and you input three pieces of information. Mm-hmm. How long you've worked, how old you are, and the type of job. It's just you know, drop-down menus. And it tells you in months or in dollars or both how much severance you're actually owed. You can also enter the amount of severance you actually received, and it would tell you in dollars what the difference is. So if you received uh, $2,000 severance, just as an example, it would tell you based on that how much severance extra you're, you're owed. So it's a very handy tool. It's a great little device that people can use very quickly. It doesn't cost anything. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You can do that right now. Or if you are more of a, a phone guy, you can download the, the app on iPad, iPhone, and Android 
uh, severance pay calculator. It's really neat, and it really has changed the way that people have looked at these issues. Up until now, you'd have to call a lawyer, meet with a lawyer, and get that information. You could do that yourself, but keep in mind, that's never going to be as accurate as actually speaking with me live. So it's really just to give you a bit of a sense, a bit of guidance. I always, always recommend, even if you use the severance pay calculator, give me a call, and I'll be able to give you more information uh, when you speak to me. Let's uh, fly through a couple of emails just to wrap up the show today. Got uh, Boris in Aurora, rather interesting one, says he asked for a pay raise, had not received one in many years. The boss said, nope, said, okay, I'm resigning. I'm out of here. Hour later, he goes, yeah, you know what? I don't resign. I want my job back. Boss said, now nah, we've already accepted your resignation. Sorry, son, you're out the door. What can he do? Yeah, well, first of all, just quickly about pay raise. There's actually no legal obligation, believe it or not, to give pay raises. So an employer doesn't have to. There's good business reasons, moral reasons why an employer would want to give pay raises, but they don't have to. But in this particular case that Boris is asking about, if he's upset, understandably, I'd be too, uh, that he didn't get a pay raise and re- employer refuses, and he just heat heat of the moment, God damn it, I'm leaving here. Uh, <laughs> the hell with you, I'm gone. The, the hell with you, I'm upset. And that's heat of the moment, and the law recognizes that. That's not a resignation, as long as it takes it back fairly soon after. If he takes it back a month later, that's way, way too late. Yeah, an hour. Right, but if yeah. it's an hour, as he says here, that's not a, a resignation. And if the employer refuses to take them back, at that point, that's considered a termination. And Boris is entitled to severance. So, Boris, you have to give me a call. I'll be able to help you. You're owed severance. Martin says, we'll make this the last one of the day before we wrap. Martin says he's an employer, the other side now, have an employee that is consistently late. I warned him many times about this, decided to let him go for cause. But before I was able to do that, he went on disability leave. Now what do I do? So that's the problem because you don't want to let the person go now when they're on leave because it may look like you're terminating them because they're on leave. So what I would propose here he do is he send the employee a letter saying, we have some significant concerns about your, uh, your being late constantly. We're going to want to meet with you as soon as you're able to return to work. And, and we're going to need a reasonable explanation from you as to why you've been late all these times. So put it, there on there, uh, put it out there already. Make the employee know that that's an issue and that they're going to have to deal with that when they come back. And when the employee comes back to work after their disability leave, have that meeting before the employee starts working. And unless there's a reasonable explanation as to why they've been late... It wasn't related to their medical condition. It wasn't something. It wasn't something that's out of their control. Then, at that point, you could consider terminating for cause. Wrapping for another week, brother. Good show. A couple of different ways to get in touch with Lior outside of show hours, like now four one six two one six fifty nine hundred Lior and employmenthour.com. And don't forget terminationquestions.com and severancepaycalculator.com. All your answers can be answered, even when we're not here on the radio. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML.